0: Thank you for checking out this episode of Wiregrass Daily News Sports. You can find the podcast over at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review, and I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if you just leave four stars, you are just a straight-up hater. You can follow me on social media over at PJORDANSEC. You can email me at sportstalkfieldjordan at gmail.com. Welcome to Wiregrass Daily News Sports. This is
1: your daily look at sports in the Wiregrass and the Southeast. Dothan Wolves on 96.9, the legend producer Philip Jordan breaks the news, covers the games, and talks to experts in the Wiregrass and Southeast. And now, Philip Jordan...
0: Everybody, welcome in to the Wednesday edition of Wiregrass Daily News Sports. And I have a great guest here on the show today. Tony Sekalas, he is the managing editor of Tide Illustrated, part of Rivals.com. We're going to talk all things Alabama here, recap the Arkansas game, and look ahead to the Tennessee matchup for this Saturday. But, uh, Tony, I appreciate it. I know your first time coming on this show. Uh, we've done this many times on my my former podcast, but I appreciate you coming on.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm glad to be on. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The people here in the Wiregrass will be very excited to hear about the Crimson Tide. Uh, I know uh, with everything going on. And it's just it's just been an interesting year. Uh, it's not, I think, a year a team that most Alabama fans are used to seeing. They're used to seeing, like Saturday, 24-6. They're used to that being doubled up, maybe, uh, putting 30 or 40. Just, uh, If you could define this Alabama team, what would be your definition?
1: Undefined. It really doesn't have an identity. I think that's what drives people crazy. I, I guess it can be defined by its. Uh, it's got a really good defense, um, you know. And I think that the you know the pass rush and the defense could be special. But on offense, it's just so unpredictable. Sometimes it can run the ball. Sometimes it can't. Sometimes its passing game looks like it's moving the ball. Other times it just you know goes anemic. Uh, I you know I don't really know what to say about the offense. It's been unpredictable. And really, this Alabama team, I think that's what makes it so frustrating is really you don't know what to expect, you you know, and I I think just uh, it's a team that's going to have to fight for everything it gets. I think it's got enough talent to be a contender, but it can't let its foot off the pedal for a second. And we saw that against Arkansas. You know, I, I think that, you know, past Alabama teams can get a little bit complacent and just you know, rely on their playmakers. And I just don't think this team has, it's not the same level as some of the other Alabama teams that could afford to do that. I think it's it's going to instantly pay every time it takes its foot off the gas. And, and so far, we really haven't seen it put away a team just because it hasn't been able to to play that full 60 minutes. And um, I, I think sometimes even before, you know, Alabama it might look like they play 60 minutes but they they had a little bit of a let up in the game but you didn't really see it because the team was so talented i, I think this team is just not that level so uh maybe that ends up making it play harder and maybe that could be a reason why this team would, will succeed is it just literally has to try harder than most teams but uh at the end it it's, it's you know it's not as good as some of the alabama teams we've seen in the past but we've also seen some really good alabama teams struggle and, and, you know, fall short of expectations. And this team still has all its goals ahead of it. So, uh, you know, as much doom and gloom as you want to bring after that sloppy Arkansas game, I mean, this team still sits atop the SEC West. It controls its destiny. Um, So, I mean, yeah, it it has everything to play for, but uh, it it is one of the more strange years, I will say of uh, that, that I've covered from an Alabama perspective.
0: You know, I was listening to to Greg McElroy on his podcast, and he uh, made a point that this Alabama team, like, in the past, Alabama could play their B game and still blow a team out. Now they can't do that. They have to play their A game or close to it. And, you know, the SEC, I think, in in a way, is down this year. seems like Actually, the playing field is kind of more even in the SEC this year than it has been in previous years. So uh, you kind of agree with that with what Greg McElroy said. Like, they pretty much have to play their A game most weeks to be able to win now
1: yeah that's what I was saying just about taking their foot off the gas. I mm-hmm. think you know I did actually miss Greg's podcast, but it, that's pretty much exactly what I how I feel and uh, yeah I just it's just not at that level where they can just coast in games. Um, but you know, and you said the SEC being down, I think all of college football's kind of evened out. I really don't think there's many teams that are, you know, just head and shoulders above the rest. I mean, uh, Michigan's looking good, but are they really, you know, yeah. We'll see how good they are. And there's a bunch of teams where I don't necessarily believe in Ohio State. We'll see what they look like against Penn State. Actually, that'll be a good testing game for both those teams. And then, you know, uh I was high on Texas and then they lost to uh, Oklahoma. And I'm hesitant to be high in Oklahoma and I'm hesitant to be high on Florida State. I just think there's a lot of teams that are Good and maybe even great, but I don't know if we have an elite team like we have had you know in recent years like I think we had three really elite teams in a row there with uh, 2019 LSU, 2020 Alabama and 2021 Georgia. I just don't know if we have a team like that this year.
0: Yeah, we'll find out about Georgia without being without Brock Bauer, see how much that changes things for them because that's the best player on that team, without a doubt. Uh, But uh, back to Alabama and Arkansas Saturday, win 24-21. I know early on I was watching the game and then Arkansas was moving the ball in Alabama, but kicking field goals. I'm like, okay, this ain't going to work. You can't beat Alabama kicking field goals. Then Alabama caught fire, Jay Lomero hitting the deep shot. He, If there's one thing he's really good at, he is good at throwing the deep ball. The medium game still work of progress, but the deep ball is there. Uh, what what did you just see? You know, just kind of stick with the first half. Of Alabama, you know, like I said, Arkansas played well early in the first quarter, six nothing, getting pressure on Melrose, but then Alabama kind of took over there in the second.
1: Yeah, I look. Jalen Murrell was seven of ten for like a two hundred and fifteen or two hundred ten yards. I forget what he had at the half, but it looked like he was like gonna cruise into having his second state straight three hundred yard game. And at that point, you are starting to think like man, does this guy have it figured out? Uh, Is this like the beginning of something here? And then, man, it just was a total role reversal in the second half. But in the first half, um, you know, they're running the ball okay. They really started running the ball good in the beginning of the uh, third quarter. Um, And so I think that the positive you take from Alabama's side is that, you know, you did have those long passes, but you kind of already knew that the passing game could be pretty boom or bust. I think the positive you take is just the the running backs, uh, all did really well. And Alabama kind of got into the depth of its, uh, backfield, which, you know, it, it really has been just Jace and, um, Roydell this season. But you got to see some Jam Miller and a little bit of Justice Haynes. And, you know, I, I think maybe we see more of that moving forward where every one of those guys is pretty good. So you might want to get more carries, you know, I mean, uh, Justice only got two carries for 11 yards, but he had that nice 10 yard run. Um, Jam Miller had a couple of big runs and he's a guy that I was expecting to kind of break out this season. Hasn't done it yet. So maybe that could kind of jumpstart him a little bit. And then both uh, Jason Roydell had good games too. So that's the positive I'd take, um, you know, from that perspective, I think it's not really a surprise that Alabama held Arkansas on the ground because the Razorbacks just can't run the ball with this offensive line. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, that, that had been the case in the two previous weeks. It's been the case against Alabama. It'll be the case moving forward. This Arkansas team doesn't move the ball very well on the ground. So that wasn't really a surprise. But um, it was kind of what you were expecting. I thought it was going to be a, a statement game in that first half. I thought it was going to be one of those games where you just kind of run the ball down their throat. And uh, Alabama kind of makes a, a statement that, you know, here we are. But it, it wasn't. It ended up being a real sloppy game and something that's gonna almost maybe maybe hurt them on their resume when they just look at oh they only beat Arkansas by three.
0: Yeah, especially, you know while and Nick even talked about it after the game. I mean, you look at Arkansas, if you look at their record, you think they're a bad team. But they've been in pretty much every game they played, except for an A and M game. <laughs> and they're talking about KJ Jefferson, a uh, Key in the little comeback there in the second half, uh just trying to tackle the guy. I mean, just – I think it, you have to send all 11 Alabama defenders at one time to get him down. I mean, he's he's a handful, which Nick Saban now has another uh, classic quote uh, about him. You know, but uh, did, did you see anything Arkansas was doing offensively? Was it more Alabama that led them to get back in the game?
1: I think it's, you know, Alabama would shoot itself in the, in the foot a few times. You know, you had the penalty on Jalen Key. You had the pass interference. I mean – a little bit more lenient towards the pass interference just because you got to try to make a play on that ball and, you know, Caleb Downs got kind of beat and he should have turned around a little bit more. So, Uh, but Jalen Key's, you know, penalty there, they would have stopped him on that drive. And, you know, it was a play where first of all, his block wasn't even, or his, you know, his, his play wasn't even associated with the play and it was out of bounds and it happened after the play. It's just like, what are you doing? You know, like, um, I think you even saw on the telecast the, uh, you, uh, you know, if you're watching it, it, it kind of showed, uh, Dante Lawson, you know, Dante Lawson kind of point up like, what, you know, can't make those mistakes. You just kind of like taking him by the shoulder and being like, what are you doing? You know? Um, and so mistakes like that on defense and then just, uh, they, they went away from the running game. I don't know really why they went away, away from the running game as much, but the passing game just fell apart. And, you know, the pressure, a lot of that was due to the pressure that they were getting on Jalen Milrow. Um, and that, you know, created some some short drives for Alabama. And that's something that, with the, especially at the left tackle position between Caden Proctor and uh, Elijah Pritchett, that's something Alabama really needs to work on. But, I, you know, I, I don't know if it's necessarily one thing Alabama did or one thing Arkansas did. It's just Alabama lost focus, really. And then mm-hmm. that's kind of what led to it.
0: Yeah, you heard Nick Saban talk about that, and all about stuff that Nick Saban said. Uh, of course, on Monday, had his uh, Monday press conference. Uh, anything um, a big stand out to you from what he said? I know he talked about uh, giving up the sacks. You know, obviously with that, but uh, anything uh, coming out of that that really stood out to you?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing, just from an Arkansas standpoint that he said on Monday, was just that the team actually did execute when it was focused. And I think that's probably a fair statement. I think, you know, when, when Alabama was locked in, it looked like it was doing what I think most people would expect it to do against Arkansas. It's just a matter of, you know losing focus and it's it's an odd that Alabama lost focus the way it did I think with an early 11 o'clock kick maybe you would expect them to start slow and have the opposite of this game you know maybe where it mm. started really bad and you could tell oh they weren't up for this game but it, it was the opposite and how do you you know I think it's, it's almost worse the way it happened because you start wondering like all right well how did Alabama let it get that way you know how did you know how did Alabama you know, if they were up for the game at first you know what does it say about this team that it, it Allowed itself to take its foot off the gas. You know, it's one thing to come into a game not ready. It's another thing to, to kind of fade. And I think it says it's it's almost worse to fade because at that point you had you were geared up, and then you allowed yourself not to be. You know, so uh, I don't know. I, I think it's a it's a frustrating team. I think you know Nick Saban when he talks about it, you can kind of tell. There's only so many things he can he can say. He talks about the mm-hmm. offensive line, and he talked a little bit about you know. Uh, it, 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 like he said a lot of it just comes down to fundamentals. You know they can get people lined up and they can they can work on things, but really it, it comes down to players executing the way that they have to. I don't think that you know Caden Proctor or Elijah Pritchett were executing the way that they need to execute. And um, I, it start you start to wonder does Alabama have to do something drastic? You know do they have to? You know maybe if they get Terrence Ferguson back uh, by the bye week, maybe you start experimenting a little bit with Tyler Booker at left tackle and maybe moving Terrence Ferguson in the guard. I mean, that's just, you know, uh, you almost have to start thinking that way because uh, it's one thing to say like, oh, Caden Proctor, Elijah Pitcher, the light bulb will come on, but it's been seven weeks now and it it hasn't come on. At some point you almost have to wonder, is it going to come on for those guys at least this season?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking at the Tennessee matchup, uh, of course, I don't think we're going to have the high-scoring affair that we had last year between these two teams uh, going into this one. Uh, certain quarterbacks aren't there anymore, Bryce Young and Hendon Hooker. And Tennessee is a different team this year than they were last year, too. They're not as explosive at wide receivers they were. Obviously, guys left, Hendon Hooker not there. Uh, but they're a really good run team. They're actually number one in the SEC in rushing right now, leading the way is Jalen right there. And defensively, they're top five in the SEC, probably something a lot of people may have thought think of with a Josh Heupel team. And last weekend against uh, – or Saturday against A&M, they really continually and constantly put pressure on Max Johnson. Just uh, for you in this matchup with Alabama and Tennessee, what really sticks out for you, especially on the Alabama side of things?
1: I think it comes down to protecting Jalen Miller or Jalen Miller getting rid of the ball because you look at this Tennessee, you know, front 7 and it it you know has a it, they can really get to the quarterback, you know, that they're they're just as good as Alabama, better maybe just a little bit um, you know, in terms of getting to the quarterback and Alabama's been giving up four more sacks for the last 6 weeks and it's hard to think that, you know, Alabama's is not going to at least give up four sacks against Tennessee. I just don't see how that happens. I don't, you know, I, I, it, we talked about the light bulb coming on. I mean, it's just from, if you look at this matchup, that's like the one almost guarantee that I'd give you is that Alabama's is going to give up at least four sacks just because it's what they do. And Tennessee is a team that's going to be able to exploit that. Um, you know, and in, we saw what uh, Tennessee can do on, on offense last year. It was more about uh, what they were able to do in the passing game, but uh the real spread out you know uh offense that Tennessee has it, it opens up uh running lanes and it creates space and it also puts more pressure on the linebackers you know a lot of times you know you have the sa- the help of the safeties and the cornerbacks that can come crashing in on some of those running plays well if those guys are out you know uh <laughs> in the sahara uh, on the sidelines over there so is as far out as uh uh Tennessee puts their receivers then it's a lot harder for them to kind of help out on running plays, so it puts a lot of pressure on um, on Deontay Lawson, and I think he's going to be a, a key player for Alabama, and they'll probably kind of go as as he goes, and it also puts some pressure on the the defensive line too. But um, yeah, that running game is going to be tough for Alabama to stop. Um, one, because it's a good running game, and then two, just because of the the formation and the, the challenge that you know comes with that. You
0: know, and I kind of think back tendency Tennessee to the Florida game uh, when they went to Gainesville and Florida run the ball very successfully against them. I kind of got kind of to wonder, too, is Alabama looking at that, too, as well? Okay, we got, we got Jace, you got Rodell at running back. Obviously, what Jalen Mirro can do also in the run game, you know, hopefully, you know, Alabama fans are always want to run the ball, run the ball. It doesn't matter who the offense coordinator is at Alabama. That's always the battle cry uh, just run the ball. But uh, I think Alabama's got opportunities on their side to be very successful in the run
1: game in this matchup i think so too and especially if it's clicking like it was against arkansas i mean it was really concerning to see uh you know what texas a&m did against alabama's uh running game i mean uh, i think it was the only the the third time in in you know Saban's in the saban era that alabama had more uh attempts than rushing yards and so for alabama to bounce back and really do a 180 against Arkansas and, and move the ball on the ground it, uh, it it can show what what they can do and I think there was that one sequence where they had three straight runs of 10 or more yards and in, uh, in the third quarter uh, and they were just really running it down Arkansas's throat. if they can get that going and that's only gonna help open up the field too for Jalen Milroe um, it's just gonna make life easier for everyone and uh, I, I think that uh, uh, that, that's probably a big key to this game too. You said it's not going to be a shutout. Um, you know, you're going to want to keep your, your defense off the field, get them rested. It's going to be a lot of pressure on them uh, stopping this Tennessee offense. So um, yeah, I, I think that it could be a rock fight and you know, you can't have these short drives that really doomed Alabama against Arkansas. You're going to have to be able to consistently move the ball, um, you know, have some of these extended drives and there's no better way of doing that than, you um, consistency on the on the, on the ground and it's not just the 10 yard runs either Nick Saban talked about on Monday just getting those three those there, there's this four those five yard carries and just that those are the things that extend drives um and that's that's really what Alabama needs is that kind of consistency you know they've been so boom or bust in, in a lot of uh what they do that you know it's it's those intermediate passes it's those you know, four and five yard runs, that's really what makes offenses go now. And then, and then you have the big time plays, but if you rely solely on the big time play is what Alabama does, it, it you're not going anywhere. It's not sustainable. You know, you, you talk about if you play at Georgia or maybe even a Tennessee this week, or an LSU, you know, LSU is a different thing because their defense hasn't been doing that well, but <laughs> when you play better defenses, I think that you can't just have this boom or bust because more often it's going to be bust. Um, and then you're just going kind to of fall apart like they did in the second half.
0: Yeah, you mentioned LSU. That's that'll be who's next. Alabama hits the off week after this week, and you have got LSU. You got Kentucky. Look, who knows? Kentucky's good defensively. Maybe Devin Leary starts playing like he's capable, like he did at NC State. Maybe Kentucky's a dangerous game. Uh, to Chattanooga, uh, we know what that game is. And of course, you go to Auburn. The close out here. We always know when Alabama goes to Jordan hare Just Jordan hare has something magical about it. It just it's always a game. Despite whatever Auburn is doing, uh just when you look at the rest of of the way, uh what do you think is going to be key for Alabama moving past Tennessee?
1: uh I mean the pass protection. They really got to. They really got to get better about that. I think. I think eventually that's just going to bite them. You know, it it, it hurt against Texas. Eventually, it's going to hurt them again. They've gotten away with it time after time after time, but there's going to be a team that's going to be able to exploit that. Either that or it's going to, you know, instead of sacks, it's going to turn into more turnovers. Um, they just got to fix that. And whether it's making a drastic change or whether it's just down to Caden Proctor or Elijah Pritchard, one of those two figuring things out, um, they're going to have to make some kind of change. Uh, and then just, you know, this is still a, a good Alabama team. And if they play mistake-free football, don't turn the ball over. Like, they're going to be in most games. And, and you know, they've got Tennessee at home. They've got LSU at home. And then you've got, you know, two of those trickier games uh, in November against, you know, Kentucky and, and Auburn on the road. But I still, you know, you, you would like Alabama's talent against both those two teams. And so I think Alabama's still in a good position to, you know, to continue. To, to go to Atlanta so to win the SEC West and then to really have a puncher's chance against uh, against Georgia if they can start figuring things out by then. But it's almost like you can't even look past Tennessee because this, this Alabama, which just goes back to what we said at the beginning of, of the podcast where this Alabama team is so unpredictable and it can't let its foot off the gas. So you really can't even start thinking about LSC or, or Kentucky or you gotta you just gotta look at, at Tennessee because they could easily lose against Tennessee. And I mean, if they lost against Tennessee, they could still probably win the West. But the season's at that point pretty much over because they're not they're not winning a title at that point. So um, it's just one week championships, and I know that's what Nick Saban tries to preach, and it kind of sounds cliche, but that's what that's the way Alabama has to play it um, from now on out. And maybe that will make them a better team. You know, because they, they can't afford the coast. And so maybe that makes them more focused. Maybe that makes them improve more in areas, um, you know. But it's a different Alabama team than what we're used to seeing.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, You got to take care of Tennessee. There's no looking past that. Looking to LSU and what else is uh, beyond that as well. Uh, but it's gonna be fun seeing how uh, it goes on Saturday. I always look forward to one of the best rivalries. Uh, Tennessee. It is more rivalry now since so Tennessee got a win last year uh, in
1: in this one. Yeah, and this rivalry goes in streaks. So Alabama's got to worry about that. You know, I mean, yeah. If it if it goes in a streak, it's now it could go in the wrong direction. And and look if. If Tennessee can win this one and the next years in in Tennessee, they they could start streaking the other way. And that's the last thing Alabama wants. So I think it's gonna be key for Alabama to kind of put an end to this and, and get things rolling in this rivalry the, the way that they're used to it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it'll be fun, it'll be a fun game on Saturday, as always, when these two get together. But uh Tony, uh always fun you're on the show too as well, talking all things Alabama. Uh, where can the listeners, viewers uh, check you out? they want to follow your work
1: yeah the site's tideillustrated.com or you can go to alabama.rivals.com we'll take you to the same place you can follow us at Tide Illustrated, or you can follow me at tony underscore sukalis and i think it has the way my name's spelled uh, so if, if you have any trouble with that it's, it's on the screen right there so just at tony underscore sukalis
0: all right sounds good tony anyways i appreciate the time and i look forward to talking again sometime down the road yeah definitely Thank you for checking out this episode of Wiregrass Daily News Sports. You can find the podcast over at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review, and I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if you just leave four stars, you are just a straight-up hater. You can follow me on social media over at S E C. You can email me at sportstalkfieldjordan at gmail.com. And once again, thanks to Tony Sakalis for being on the Wednesday edition of Wiregrass Daily News Sports. And now to get out of here, just some news items, a few more than what we had yesterday. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, On the high school side of things, the Dothan Wolves home game versus Jag High School, formerly Jeff Davis, on Friday, November 3rd, has been moved to Thursday, November 2nd. Uh, Dothan City Schools tells WDHN, that's where we got this news from, uh, the reason for rescheduling, the National Peanut Festival opens up on that Friday, so they're going to move the game over to the Thursday, obviously looking to get more people at refuse on that Thursday night uh, and not go up against the National Peanut Festival. But also that night, uh, selfishly, uh, I was to, uh, planning to go see Troy and South Alabama play at the vet that Thursday night we'll be doing that but we will be on the air on Thursday night on 96.9 the legend along with Jerry Coleman Ken Lambert and myself getting you through the game but uh we'll give you updates on the Trojans too as well during uh that broadcast so that means that the coaches show will be on a Wednesday that week so uh just kind of plan accordingly uh on that week the final week of the high school football season, too as well we hope Dothan Wolves the the seedings land where you want them. Results happen where you want them. And hopefully the following week, playoffs Dothan will be at home, but also very well, that could be the last home game of this season. So you want to be crowd, so we understand why they're doing that. In college football, some Auburn news from Tuesday. Defensive back Keontae Scott and linebacker Austin Keys. Both practiced on that day, on Tuesday. Scott has been out with an ankle injury that he got against Sanford. And then Keys has been out with a thumb injury since the first game against UMass. Both had surgery on that, so we'll see how they progress. See if they're on the field this Saturday night against Ole Miss. Also running back Damari Alston. Remember, he got hurt against Texas A&M. Dislocated shoulder. He was at practice, but he was in a yellow non-contact jersey. He participated in practice last week, but same thing, the yellow non-contact jersey. So, I just hearing that, I wouldn't expect to have Damari Austin on the field. Saturday night would be a big help for Auburn in the run game. Add him with Jarquez, uh, Jeremiah Cobb, Brian Petit. If you could add him in that, that would be big. But I just, you know, being in the non-contact jersey, just I seem like it's a very, very slim shot that we would see. Mario Austin on the field on Saturday night. Now, in SEC basketball, SEC media days are this week. Really gets kicked off on Wednesday, today, and Thursday. So, throughout the rest of the week, we will talk about this. But I'll go ahead and let you all guys know something about next week's podcast. We will dive more deep into basketball. We have an SEC basketball preview. We'll focus on Alabama and Auburn. Blake Lovell from the Southeastern 14 will be joining me next wednesday on the podcast so he will be on to break it all down blake big ssc basketball guy one of the best out there so he'll be joining me on the show as well he has an nfl podcast he does as well so we may jump into some nfl stuff with some of the southeast teams here like the falcons the saints and also the titans but anyways uh we do have the media's predicted order of finish tennessee is predicted to win the conference followed by texas a&m arkansas kentucky Alabama is coming in at 5, Auburn at 6, you have Mississippi State at 7, Florida at 8, Missouri at 9, Ole Miss at 10, Vandy at 11, Georgia at 12, LSU at 13, and South Carolina finished it up at 14. Also announced the first and second All-SEC teams. On the first team, two in-state players for Alabama, you have forward Grant Nelson, and for Auburn, you have forward Janiah Broom also there. Uh, forward as well. Uh, Nelson is a senior. Broom is a junior. Uh, the rest of the first team looks like this. Arkansas forward, Trevon Brazil. Uh, guard from Kentucky, Justin Edwards. Forward from Mississippi State, Tulo Smith. Guard from Tennessee, Santiago Vescovi. And then guard from Texas A&M. More on him in the second. Wade Taylor, the fourth. And then the second team, no Auburn players but one Alabama player guard, Mark Sears is there. He's a senior. And then also throughout the rest of the second team, all guards, Devontae Davis, Riley Kugel uh, from Florida, Antonio Rees from Kentucky, and then Sakai Ziegler from Tennessee. And then the player of the year that they voted on will be Wade Taylor-Ford from Texas a But like I said, we will dive more into this next week here on the show when I have Blake Level on with us. And that would be fun, too, having Auburn, Alabama, and, some, and Troy. We'll, we'll get into Troy Hoops, too, as well. Uh, when they get going, just to uh, have something little during the week for some games to discuss as well. Uh, over in the NFL, just a couple things here with some of those teams we follow here and a former Alabama player. Uh, quarterback Ryan Tannehill talked about on Monday's show how against the Ravens he got hurt, ankle injury, that's what he had last year. He had to have surgery. ESPN's Jeff Darlington is reporting Tannehill will not need ankle surgery. It's a high ankle sprain, but there's no timetable for his return. Uh, the team is off this week. They're 2-4 and four on the season. Like I said, they lost to the Ravens on Sunday in London, 24-16. to 16. Looking at the next four opponents for the Tennessee Titans, next Sunday they'll play Atlanta at home, but then they have three straight road games. On November 2nd, we'll be a lot of football on November 2nd. Uh, they will be at Pittsburgh on that Thursday. Then on November 12th, they'll have to play at Tampa Bay. And then on 11-19, they will be at Jacksonville. My personal opinion, Malik Willis, it's just I know he's just in his second year, barely played, you know, a year. But uh, you got to go Will Levis. You draft him in the second round. I think you got to give him a shot. Malik Willis a shot too as well. Get him in there. Just see what you got with those two the next four weeks. I could tell a lot. especially special to meet Malik Willis since he's in year two in your system and just see what Will Levis has in, in real NFL games against you know the best players versus what we saw with him in the preseason. Former Alabama player, Atlanta Falcons, great. Julio Jones was signed by the Eagles on Tuesday. He's a seven-time pro bowler. Uh, Philadelphia is 5-1. They just lost their first game to the Jets. It was upset city on Sunday. The Jets beat the Eagles. The Browns, with a third-string quarterback, uh, beating the 49ers. And I got to looking at this. This is seven former Alabama players on the Philadelphia Eagles. When you count Julio Jones, you got Jalen Hurts. For everybody out there, yes, I know he – graduated or his final year was Oklahoma, but look, he's an Alabama player too. He used to play at Alabama, an Alabama great. He got wide receiver Devontae Smith, guard Landon Diggerson, guard Tyler Steen, and two defensive backs, Josh Joby and Eli Ricks. So uh, Philadelphia, they got a lot of Georgia players on town. team. I didn't write all that down, but they got a lot of Georgia players on the Eagles too as well. And then finally some Saints news, and they play on Thursday night against Jacksonville. But uh, running back Jamar Williams returns from the IR. He has missed four weeks due to a hamstring injury. We'll see if he plays on Thursday night. That might be a quick turnaround for him, just getting to practice and then playing on Thursday. But we'll see if he adds to the running back depth there. For uh, for the Saints, who are 3-3, three and three and the Jacksonville Jaguars are 4-2. So that should be an interesting game on Thursday night between those two. Thursday night, too, uh, Enterprise folks, Opelika and Enterprise are playing. So I'll be keeping up. So Friday's show with Matt Lowe will open with thoughts on Enterprise Opelika. And now I may t- talk about the Jaguars and the Saints as well. Because I know there's a lot of Saints fans in the Wiregrass. I think the Saints, the Falcons, the Titans, a little bit of the Dolphins are kind of like the, the Southeast teams um, fans right here. Like, of course, you have the fans of the Dallas Cowboys. There's some Steeler fans here, Packers fan. So uh, – no, kind of, kind of serve us too as well. We talk about the Braves, but we'll jump into those as well. Of course, here in Dothan, in the Wiregrass, Southeast, we're more college fans. College is kind of a priority. But yeah, keep you guys updated on those teams. It may from time to time we may reach out somebody that covers those teams and talk about them as well. So, anyways, that is the news. That's the show for today on this Wednesday. Tomorrow, I will be joined by Ole Miss twenty four seven sports writer Jared Redding. We're gonna get the Opposite look at the Auburn-Ole Miss game. Some interesting stuff with uh, Jared. Uh, we already recorded that Recorded that on Monday. But uh, uh, we talked about the Auburn-Ole Miss side with the coaches. Hugh Freeze, of course, he used to coach Ole Miss. And Lane Kiffin, look, how close was Lane Kiffin to becoming the Auburn head coach? I asked Jared that question, and we kind of get into the matchup. And Ole Miss the season so far as well but anyways guys that's going to do it for me here today i hope you enjoyed the show hope you enjoyed my conversation with tony Uh, you'll be sure to hear from him through time to time here on the show anyways i hope everybody has a great wednesday Remember, you can follow me on social media at PJORDANSEC, the podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review. I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if we leave just four stars, you're just a straight-up hater. You can check out the show over at WiregrassDailyNews.com. You can always email me at sportsofffieldjordan at gmail.com. Till next time.
1: Thank you for tuning in to today's Wiregrass Daily News Sports. Make sure to tune back in tomorrow for more of the sports you love in the Wiregrass. Check out the podcast at WiregrassDailyNews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Continue the conversation and connect with Philip on social media at SEC.